for tuning in to 2020 Bible Stories, where we read the unforgettable stories of the Bible with open eyes and clear views. I'm your host and storyteller, me. And I'm Fish, your thought commentator, where I'll be giving, giving my thoughts on the story, or based on the story thus far. Right. Because every story isn't always read in its entirety during that episode because they can't be a bit lengthy, but... We do try to learn something, you know, that might take us a ways away, which is why we call them takeaways. And we encourage you to send us your takeaways too, as well as your thoughts and requests to 2020BibleStories at gmail.com. Let's get it. All right. Now that we've gotten the pleasantries out of the way, let's start today's episode. That's it. Let's get it. Yeah, you said it before you was supposed to, though. It's all right. Let's go. All right. Let's start it. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to 2020 Bible Stories with Meek and Fish, where we read the unforgettable stories of the Bible with open eyes and clear views. I'm your host and storyteller, Meek, and with me as always... Fish, your thought commentator. All right. This far, thus far this season, we've read the book of Joshua, Moses' assistant and successor, telling the story of Israel's conquest of the promised land. Uh, when we left off last, we gave the moral of Joshua's story, which again was obedience to uh, God, doing God's work God's way. Now we are going to continue the story of the conquest with the book of Judges, um, a story of 12 men and women who helped rescue Israel from its oppressors. We're going to begin in chapter one, and today we're going to go from one to three. This chapters one to three, and then we'll come in afterwards with our takeaways. So let's begin. Chapter one, after the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, which tribe should go first to attack the Canaanites? The Lord answered Judah, for I have given them victory over the land. The men of Judah said to their relatives from the tribe of Simeon, join us to fight against the Canaanites living in the territory allotted to us. Then we will help you conquer your territory. So the men of Simeon went with Judah. When the men of Judah attacked, the Lord gave them victory over the Canaanites and Perizzites, and they killed 10,000 enemy warriors at the town of Bezek. While at Bezek, they encountered King Adonai Bezek and fought against him, and the Canaanites and Perizzites were defeated. Adonai Bezek escaped, but the Israelites soon captured him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adonai Bezek said, I once had 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off, eating scraps from under my table. Now God has paid me back for what I did to them. They took him to Jerusalem and he died there. The men of Judah attacked Jerusalem and captured it, killing all its people and setting the city on fire. Then they went down to fight the Canaanites living in the hill country, the Negev, and the western foothills. Judah marched against the Canaanites in Hebron, formerly called Kirithaba, defeating the forces of Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai. 
From there, they went to fight against the people living in the town of Debir, formerly called Kiriath Sefer. Caleb said, I will give my daughter Axa in marriage to the one who attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer. Othenio, the son of Caleb's younger brother, Kenaz, was the one who conquered it. So Axa became Othenio's wife. When Axa married Othenio, she urged him to ask her father for a field. As she got down off her donkey, Caleb asked, asked her, what's the matter? She said, let me have another gift. You have already given me land in the Negev. Now please give me springs of water too. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. When the tribe of Judah left Jericho, the city of Palms, the Kenites, who were descendants of Moses' father-in-law, traveled with them into the wilderness of Judah. They settled among the people there, near the town of Arad in the Negev. Then Judah joined with Simeon to fight against the Canaanites living in Zephith, or Zephith, whatever, and they completely destroyed the town. So the town was named Horma. In addition, Judah captured the towns of Gaza, Eshkelon, and Ekron, along with their surrounding territories. The Lord was with the people of Judah, and they took possession of the hill country, but they failed to drive out the people living in the plains who had iron chariots. The town of Hebron was given to Caleb as Moses had promised, and Caleb drove out the people living there, who were descendants of the three sons of Anak. The tribe of Benjamin, however, failed to drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. So to this day, the Jebusites live in Jerusalem among the people of Benjamin. The descendants of Joseph attacked the town of Bethel, and the Lord was with them. They sent men to scout out Bethel. They confronted the man coming out of the town and said to him, Show us a way into the town, and we will have mercy on you. So he showed them a way in, and they killed everyone in the town except that man and his family. Later, the man moved to the land of the Hittites where he built the town. He named it Luz, which is his name to this day. The tribe of Manasseh failed to drive out the people living in Bethshan, or Bethshan, Tanak, Dor, Iblium, Migado, and all their surrounding settlements because the Canaanites were determined to stay in that region. When the Israelites grew stronger, they forced the Canaanites to work as slaves, but they never did drive them out completely out of the land. The tribe of Ephraim failed to drive out the Canaanites living in Gezer, so the Canaanites continued to live there among them. The tribe of Zebulun failed to drive out the residents of Kitron and Nehalal, or Nehalel, whatever. So the Canaanites continued to live among them. But the Canaanites were forced to work as slaves for the people of Zebulun. The tribe of Asher failed to drive out the residents of Aku, Sidon, Alob, Akzib, Helba, Afik, and Rehob. Instead, the people of Asher moved in among the Canaanites who controlled the land, for they failed to drive them out. Likewise, the tribe of Naphtali failed to drive out the residents of Beth, Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath. Instead, they moved in among the Canaanites who controlled the land. 
Nevertheless, the people of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath were forced to work as slaves for the people of Naphtali. As for the tribe of Dan, the Amorites forced them back into the hill country and would not let them come down into the plains. The Amorites were determined to stay in Mount Harris, Ajalon, and Shealbim. But when the descendants of Joseph became stronger, they forced the Amorites to work as slaves. The boundary of the Amorites ran from Scorpion Pass to Selah and continued upward from there. Chapter 2. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum and said to the Israelites, I brought you out of Egypt into this land that I swore to give your ancestors. And I said, I would never break my covenant with you. For your part, you were not to make any covenants with the people living in this land. Instead, you were to destroy their altars. But you disobeyed my command. Why did you do this? So now I declare that I will no longer drive out the people living in your land. They will be thorns in your sides and their gods will be a constant temptation to you. When the angel of the Lord finished speaking to all the Israelites, the people wept loudly. So they called the place Bochum, which means weeping, and they offered sacrifices there to the Lord. After Joshua sent the people away, each of the tribes left to take possession of the land allotted to them. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him. Those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land he had been allocated at Timnath Sirah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaash. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Asherah or Ashtaroth. That's what that is, Ashtaroth. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel, so he handed them over to the raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated, just as he had warned. And the people were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves by worshiping other gods. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge, how over Israel, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. But when the judge died, the people returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. 
they went after other gods, serving and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. So the Lord burned with anger against Israel. He said, because these people have violated my covenant, which I made with their ancestors and have ignored my commands, I will no longer drive out the nations that Joshua left unconquered when he died. I did this to test Israel to see whether or not they would follow the ways of the Lord as their ancestors did. That is why the Lord left those nations in place. He did not quickly drive them out or allow Joshua to conquer them all. Chapter three. These are the nations that the Lord left in the land to those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. He did this to teach warfare to generations of Israelites who had not experienced, who had no experience in battle. These are the nations, the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians and the Hivites living in the mountains of Lebanon from Mount Baal Herma to Lebohamath. These people were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the commands the Lord had given to their ancestors through Moses. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and they intermarried with them. Israelite sons married their daughters, and Israelite daughters were given in marriage to their sons. And the Israelites served their gods. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot about the Lord their God, and they served the images of Baal and the Asherah poles. Then the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to King Cushan somebody and Aram somebody. I am not about to try. And the Israelites served Cushan for eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Othenia, the son of Caleb's younger brother, Kenaz. The spirit of the Lord came upon him and he became Israel's judge. He went to war against King Cushan of Aram and the Lord gave Othenia victory over him. So there was peace in the land for 40 years. Then Othenia's son of Kenaz died. Once again, the Israelites did even in the Lord's sight, and the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel because of their evil. Eglon enlisted the Ammonites and Amalekites as allies, and then he went out and defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, the city of Palms, and the Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord again raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Ehud, son of Gera, a left-handed man of the tribe of Benjamin. The Israelites sent Ehud to deliver their tribute money to King Eglon of Moab. So Ehud made a double-edged dagger that was about a foot long, and he strapped it to his right thigh, keeping it hidden under his clothing. He brought the tribute money to Eglon, who was very fat. After delivering the payment, Ehud started home with those who had helped carry the tribute. But when Ehud reached the stone idols near Gilgal, he turned back. 
He came to Eglon and said, I have a secret message for you. So the king commanded his servants, be quiet. And he sent them all out of the room. Ehud walked over to Eglon, who was sitting alone in a cool upstairs room. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. As King Eglon rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, pulled out the dagger from his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. The dagger went so deep that the handle disappeared beneath the king's fat. So Ehud did not pull out the dagger, and the king's bowels emptied. Then Ehud closed and locked the doors of the room and escaped down the latrine. After Ehud was gone, the king's servants returned and found the doors to the upstairs room locked. They thought he might be using a latrine in the room, so they waited. But when the king didn't come out after a long delay, they became concerned and got a key. And when they opened the doors, they found their master dead on the floor. While the servants were waiting, Ehud escaped, passing the stone idols on his way to Syrah. When he arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, Ehud sounded a call to arms. Then he led a band of Israelites down from the hills. Follow me, he said, for the Lord has given you victory over Moab, your enemy. So they followed him and the Israelites took control of the shallow crossings of the Jordan River across from Moab, preventing anyone from crossing. They attacked the Moab, the Moabites, and killed about 10,000 of their strongest and most able-bodied warriors. Not one of them escaped. So Moab was conquered by Israel that day, and there was peace in the land for 80 years. After Ehud, Shadmar, son of Anath, rescued Israel. And he once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goat. That is the end of chapter three and the end of our readings for today. Take a quick break and then we will be back with the takeaways. All right, and we are back with the takeaways. And my first takeaway is to acknowledge that God is the real leader. It was very clear who was to succeed Moses. However, there was no obvious successor to Joshua. So the first thing that Israel did was to ask the Lord for guidance on who they should attack when it comes to the Canaanites. Who, what clan should we attack first? So no matter how wise or powerful their current leader was, in reality, God was the one that was in command. So in long story short, my takeaway is basically to stop putting your hopes in humans because one day they will be gone. Your thoughts, your comments? My thought is <clears throat> to consult God before you make a move to do anything. That That's was one. Um, because when you try to do it yourself, you end up how Egypt was, how, how, how they were already acting they was losing they lost faith because they didn't you know they lost their way folk because one man had died mm -hmm. but nobody kept his laws and his you know what i'm saying and did what they were supposed to do second thing is to make sure whatever you do <coughs> excuse me to keep his commandments to keep knowing the right thing to do all the time, even when nobody's looking. 
That's it. Okay. Well, my next takeaway is to work smarter and not harder or to keep your eyes open for opportunities to collaborate with others. The Bible, if the Bible don't tell us nothing, it states that hard work pays off. Jacob got his girl after 14 years. He was reunited. Is this the same person I'm thinking of? Jacob was. Yeah, Jacob was reunited with the son who he thought was lost. Joseph, the son he thought was dead, I mean. So. They sold him into a... They was going to kill him, slavery. but they sold him. Yeah. yeah, they sold him into slavery and he thought he was dead. Um, um, go ahead. Well, my takeaway is... Yeah, that was basically my takeaway. It don't always work out like like how it you think it would if you did it by yourself. However, right. again, when you work smart and not harder, you get some extra helping hands, you get somebody to help you again. That what how long did it take them? Forty years instead of that forty years it take your limb days. When you got them helping hands, that job that it took you all day to do, when you got these helping hands, it take you thirty minutes to an hour to do. So again, sometimes it's sometimes it is it is easy to work alone, but again, in this case, like I said, with these people, it was like, listen, we about to go to war, and it ain't that many of us, and we already know it is is we better together. It's power in numbers. It's power in numbers. There you go. It's we better together because hey, if we go buy ourselves, we might get slaughtered but if we go with y'all we got a chance it's power in numbers there's more of us there's more of them so you know maybe we'll win but with God you have the victory so but it's, you have to get out your own way um, and ask for help stop being prideful and thinking you can do it by yourself you gotta get out your own way and you if you want to elevate say, anyway yeah, and you said like you, you do it said, by yourself. You want to stay quiet, so. but if you get your team behind you, you get some people behind you, your brand to be a lot bigger. Exactly, because you can't do it by yourself. First, consult mm -hmm. God, let down your God, and let your pride go, and start talking to people, asking for help. Look, I need some. Look, I'm gonna have. We need to go over here and uh, slide on these people, and uh, you know we can't do it by ourselves. It's, we just sixty. We need like. A thousand. So can y'all help us out? Oh, thank mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Again, that's all. Yeah. All you can do is tell us no. I'm gonna ask. Want to make pancakes? Show me no. how to make a pancake. I'll make you a pancake. <laughs> <laughs> well, my next takeaway is that crying is not enough, or your word is sometimes basically yes. Your little words, your little tears, that's, that's not enough. When the Lord's messenger came and told Israel, since they disobeyed his commands, he was no longer going to be with them and drive them people out of the land that was living there. So they wept loudly. When you have done wrong or sin, admit it, basically. Trying to cover it up with your little tears only means you're trying to get away with it rather than seeking that change that actually needs to happen, that needs to take place. Because basically, I, I just cried about it. I got in trouble. I cried. And now I'm going to go do the same thing again tomorrow. Because I ain't really trying to change. I'm going I'm to look like I'm sympathetic and I'm sorry by, with my tears. But tomorrow, I'm going to do the exact same thing that I'm sitting here crying about. 
So that's that's my takeaway. Again, the the crying is not enough because you cried does not necessarily mean that you have changed. I mean, you cried about it because it was on your. I feel like you know you cried about it because it was a conviction on your soul. But at the same time, you went out and still did the same thing again and again, which is, uh, is you can't control it, and you have to you know and you have to be in control. Ask God for control to control it to help you. But crying, crying is just weeping, you know, just to get it off your conscience for right now to to, to make you feel better. Just wash away your tears. When no, it makes day, you feel better. If I saying. cry, it makes you feel better, and it makes it looks like again that I'm actually sympathetic and I'm sorry. But again, I'm just using my tears to mask how I really feel on the inside, which is I don't really want to change. I like right. sinning. I like it. But if I cry, at least it looked like I can. At least like it looks like I want to change. Um, but deep down, and I really don't. I don't know. I mean. In this instance, we're talking about this yeah. instance okay. of these okay, okay. people. Because right. that's where my takeaway comes from. Because again, he just said, you or I am no longer going to be with you all. You broke the command. You broke the covenant, so I'm breaking it now too. I will no right. longer be leaving. I got to cry because God don't leave me. I'm sorry. They, and that's my point. They cried about, okay, we've sinned. The Lord said he is no longer going to be with us, and now we're going to cry about it. But mm-hmm. we're not actually going to change anything because as we stated, and now he got to bring these judges. He has to bring these rescuers into play because the cycle of sin. They mess up. A leader is here. They listen while the leader is here. The leader die, and we go worse. Because that's what he says. The new generation comes, and they are much worse than the ones before. Amen. Today and then and now. Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's the point of, again, they, they, they cried about it. They cried that the Lord was leaving their side. But, I mean, essentially we really don't care because we get ready to just go worship these other gods like they are savers we've right. been worshiping these other people already anyways so we'll cry that this one is leaving but we still get ready to go worship Baal like we still get ready to go to the Shira pose we still get ready to go worship these things because we see these things right. the Lord saying he leaving us and we still ain't seen them Right. This is the new generation. People who've never met him don't know anything about him, and he's saying right. that he's leaving us. Yeah, I mean, With, I'm uh, again, the, so yeah, again, I'll share the team. Like, I guess I'll right. miss you. I guess I'll miss that you're leaving me. I guess I'll cry that you're leaving me, but I'm gonna be cool because I'm going right back to what I was doing anyways. Right, and if I ain't never seen you do nothing, I ain't how I know you here. Hmm. I'm just saying, you know, it's a story from my ancestors. They're telling us stories that you did for them. I ain't seen nothing like this. Uh, what's next? Um, chapter two. Chapter two basically catches us up on what happened after Joshua died and prepares us for what is to come in Judges. Like I said, the cycle of sin. In which they sin, worship idols, punish, cry out for help, 
and rest and get rescued by a judge sent from God, obey him while he alive, and then they fall right back into the idolatry once he die. So that's essentially like I said, Sounds what chapter four right. is about. It's setting us up for all these judges, basically. All these judges are to come, and that's why the judges are coming. Because clearly they can't get it right. Right. Um, and God got angry with them for reiterating the justification of rightful anger anyways and allowed them to be punished by their enemies. So my takeaway, we can't appreciate God's mercy without comprehending his wrath. Because while God hates and gets angry at sin, Jesus died so we can experience his mercy. And that does not give us the green light to sin just because Jesus died for your sins. Thoughts, comments? Oh, man. You. Yes, he died for our sins and continue to sin. And I'm just trying to think of the, the the right way to put it. Like you had the new school, you have the new kids, you have the new the new people that really hasn't seen, touched, or felt, or they've only heard about them. So them sinning and crying and sinning and crying is that you know you keep telling them about it, but they ain't gonna believe it until they signs and wonders. So I, you know, it's just the same habit forming over and over again with different generations, and it had the, it's a curse. That's what the name of it is. It's a curse, and somebody had to break the curse. Now you got twelve judges that's coming in, the referee to tell right from wrong when people when it should have been left through generation to generation, right from wrong. It shouldn't took twelve judges coming out of Israel, all these other things for them to. To, to progress mentally as far as God goes. You know what I'm saying? A little bit, I guess. I don't, I think, yeah, I got confused. It's like your grandma took you to church, your mama took, your mom, your grandmother took your mother to church, your mother took you to church, so it's in you. You know what I'm saying? Even though, okay, the younger ones, we might not take them to church every day, but they know about God. We talk about it. You know what I'm saying? You know. No, I, you know I'm, I'm just confused of how you came up with that point from, from my takeaway. That's why that's, that's just where I'm confused at. What you mean? My takeaway is that we can't appreciate God's mercy without comprehending his reign. Exactly. He allowed we, them to be punished by their enemies. God is just. Yes. Had they so we, what I'm saying so we, is okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, just give right eggs. Yeah. God is a just God, but what I'm <clears throat> he's been just throughout the Bible. He's been saving grace and mercy. He back and forth, back and forth. You know what I mean? We stand and take so what I'm saying is, is that maybe I'm 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 going the wrong way with it. Let me take it back. <laughs> Let me take it back. Maybe I'm going the wrong way. Everything, <laughs> yeah. right? Everything happens <laughs> for me. Everything, everything happens for a reason. You can't, you can't really appreciate them until you go through, 
go through you know, your parents are taking you to church. You know, you know about God. You heard about God. You heard about Jesus, but you ain't seen it for yourself until you go through something. You feel what I'm saying? Uh huh. So once okay, you go well, through, go ahead. No, nah, I was just gonna say, just again, as far as for here, it's just it's just an example of how people always try to be like that. Like, what's God's code? How does He operate? What is it? This is His code. I'm just. That's yeah, the code. That. <laughs> I'm just. Right. I'm going to make is. sure if you do good, you receive good. And when you do bad, you receive bad. I'm just. The justice, the, the, yes, evil does not go unpunished. What's done in the dark comes to the light. It's going to be found out. And you're going to serve the punish the time for the crime. You're going to get what's just due to you for what you have done. Right. And again, and my point of to what I'm saying is as far as, as Jesus goes, that is what he died for, for your sins. But it, like I said, that does not give you the green light to sin just because that's what he died for. That right. does not give you the right to be like, I get to be a fool because that's what Jesus died for. So I could be crazy. I mean, yes, and that's what I say. You, st I mean, again, you got to go through. You, if uh, you don't know him, you don't know him, or you don't know Jesus. You got to go through something for him to, so you can know who he is and say, "Oh, okay, this is what this is about." When we go through, we automatically it's the devil. It's the devil. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. When you did it, you sinned. You know what I'm saying? It can oh, be sometimes. I mean, of course. I mean, but it's it's that both of them work together. Because mm -hmm. you have choices, you feel, you know what I'm saying. That's that's the balance. That's life. Life that. comes with balance. That's why he says that just because you follow me, in other words, just because I'm you're my chosen people, does not mean that you're not going to experience anything bad just because I'm good. Right. I bring good from bad. Right. So just because, again, you follow me and just because my son came in human form to die for you does not mean you do not get to obey my commands. You still have to do what I say. Exactly. That does not give you the freedom. Now, again, he died for those who don't know. For those of you who have no clue and you are lost. That's who he's calling, not those again who think they're already good enough. I'm coming for those of you again, the sick ones. If you're not sick, you're not gonna go to the doctor. That's what you go for, right? Um, what's my next takeaway? Despite Israel's disobedience. God showed his great mercy by raising up judges to, to save the people from their oppressors. So my takeaway, this is exactly what God does for us today. Giving us what we don't deserve. Disobedience demands judgment. But God again gave us Jesus so we could escape sin's penalty. So when we pray for forgiveness, we're asking for what we don't deserve.
Amen. Full comments. No, that was good right there. All right, my next takeaway. God is going to test your faith and obedience. He said, this was the reason I didn't let Joshua drive out all the people and why I am no longer going to help you drive them out now to see whether or not you would follow the ways of the Lord as your ancestors did. And quickly, they turned from the path of their ancestors who walked in obedience to the Lord's command by prostituting themselves by worshiping other gods. Comments? Uh-uh. You hit that. Uh, the new generation had abandoned God and worship idols, which leads me to my next takeaway. This is what can happen when you neglect to teach your children to follow the Lord. You can't just put it on the church or you can't just put it. Oh, I'm going to put them in a Christian school or I'm going to put them in the summer Bible camp. Or again, you can't leave it to just that. You have to also be that example. You have to be your child's first teacher. God said the brunt of that responsibility belongs to the family. Those comments. Well, see, that's I, where I think your 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 comment of me going to church, all of that should have been right here. I'm just you know, saying <laughs> that you need to raise your child. <laughs> the way they're supposed to be raised raise them up raise up a nation raise up a fat raise your charm listen prime example of that I can give is going to the store you go with your parents uh let's say the the child has something in his hand and the father is essentially like, you know, again, if don't say nothing. If they ain't saying nothing, don't say nothing. Mm -hmm. But the mother takes it from him and gives it to the cashier. No. And she explains again that that's not how that works. Just because they don't say anything, it don't make it correct. Right. Because he's, they're not the ones who matter. Right. They're not the ones who are watching what you do in secret. Mm -hmm. With a deceitful heart. Again, that's what I'm saying as far as that would be, like I said, that's the family's response. That's a good example of a family. That's your responsibility. So what that they don't see it and the one parent thinks that it's okay because they don't see it. If the other parent, again, that's the whole point of that. The other parent, I know better and I'm going to teach my son better. Because that's what we're supposed to do in this moment. You're not supposed to take the opportunity to sin just because you have it. Because you feel like ain't nobody watching. God is always watching. Exactly. So you're supposed to be that example. You're that guidance. You're again. That's why that whole do as I say, not as I do. Like, no. He said it was fine. I'm going to snatch it and say this is not okay. So don't do as I say. Do as I just did. Pay for it if you want it. Ain't nothing free. Child, the way they should go. He raising a thief, and she's trying to raise somebody with faith, with morals and principles. 
Mm-hmm. And he like, yeah, steal it. Ain't nobody see you. We don't care. Especially, don't let it be something like a, a dollar or two dollars. They really mm-hmm. think again. That's really not that important. Then, yeah, I mean, true. But as a kid, you're not even thinking about that because if you're not raised in that type of with that type of thought and that type of environment, you're not giving that one shot. You sliding out the door with that, especially if you're not with your parents. But you with your parents, and they put in your parent. As instilling the morals and principles and values, like you know, uh, uh, do the right thing even when nobody's looking, but God is always looking. He's always- mm-hmm. uh, my last takeaway: Ehud's special skills were used. Wait, I did say Ehud, right? Mm-hmm. No, Ehud is in the next one. Did I say Ehud here? The left-handed-man-in-the-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute-prostitute
That concludes this episode of 2020 Bible Stories. Stay tuned next week for a new episode. Thank you.